הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדורנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר. קידוש עם אשר בארץ הם המבחן רבנו הקדוש צדיק, יסודו למה נחמן מלכו חוכמה. רבנו נחמן בן פגן, נח נחמן נחמן מאומן, זכותם תגן עלינו על כל ישראל אמן. בעזרת השם, today we will do the entire Torah 51, Torah נ"א. Let's hop right into it, בעזרת השם. אמר רבי עקיבא, so this lesson is not לשון רבנו, but nonetheless, we still have to pay your attention very closely. אמר רבי עקיבא, רבי עקיבא, בסדר? כשאתם מגיעים לבני שיש טהור, אל תאמרו מים מים. We know this famous גמרא, גמרא חגיגה, page 14 over there, that רבי עקיבא told us, um, his, uh, his חברים, his friends, אלישה בן אלויה, בן זומה בן עזאי, those who were traveling up to him with, uh, up with him to Pardes, that whenever they would reach these, this pure marble stone, that they should not say water, water. They should not call the stone water. Shneemar, as it says in the verse, Dover Shkarim, no yikon negin denai. As it says in the verse in Tehinim, as in the verse of Tehinim, that what? That uh, the one who speaks falsehood should not dwell before Hashem's eyes. Bezat Hashem. That's what David Amenach wrote. So, Rabbi Akiva's warning, his friends, not to say my mind because that would be a word of Sheker and one who speaks Sheker up there um, cannot dwell before Hashem. There would be a great deal of punishment. Okay. Rabbeinu explains to us, he tells us, that falsehood damages the eyes both spiritually and physically. The eyes deceive. What? Umesakerot comes from the word Sheker. That the eyes are misakerot, they're deceiving. Sheker, this aspect of falsehood. Why? Because when the eyes are dimmed, they create false impressions. They don't show the thing that you're looking at as it really is. When your eyes are dimmed, when they're weak, they don't perceive the object as it really should be perceived, as it really is in reality. It creates a false uh, perception. For example, For example, sometimes whenever your eyes are dim, you see something big as if it's small. Sometimes when one one thing is before, you think it's two. The opposite of that which is true. For eyes are made weak and dimmed from tears. As the Chachamim saying, That the clouds return after the rain. This is reference to the vision. Which is dimmed. Um, after crying, diminished. That vision is diminished after crying, just like rain, the clouds. Um, after the rain. Udma'ot hen mimotrei amarash chora. Rabbeinu explains that tears come from the excess of depression and gloom. Sheateva docher otam lachut derech ha'anai. That nature pushes them outward um, through via the eyes. Uh, these tears are um, in excess of this marashora, this gloom that gets pushed through the eyes um, naturally. And this depression, this gloom stems from what? The polluted blood. And where does polluted blood stem from? <laughs> through Shekhar. Sorry. 
polluted blood stems from Sheker. So we see that polluted blood is the cause of Marash uh, And where does polluted blood stem from? Sheker. So all these tears which come out through a person, which stems from Marash which stems from um, the polluted blood, and which stems immediately... Um, it all stems from Sheker, basically. Sorry. For it's impossible to speak a word of Sheker until your blood is polluted. Sheker can only stem from polluted blood. And it's impossible to speak something true unless you purify the blood beforehand. So we see that truth must stem from purified blood and falsehood must stem from polluted blood. For the essence of speech comes from the soul. We've seen this many times in Shira Shirim that it says over there, my soul left as he spoke. So we see the soul and the speech are that um, speech stems from the soul. And what is the soul? It's the blood. It's the blood of a person. It says about the animals for the blood is the soul. We find that when a person speaks sheker, he has polluted blood. And from this comes this gloom. From this excess of this gloom forms these tears. And through this, the eyes are weakened and dimmed. And this is the after what it says in Eyov. They pluck the salt word from the shrub. Maluach, the salt word, the salt word, this represents this aspect of the ma'ot, which is this this salty water, this bitter water, which is the tears, which comes through speaking. What are we saying? This maluach is is the salty water, which comes through what? Through speech. So we see that this maluach, which represents these tears, comes through this aspect of seeds. Why speech? Because speech is the soul, and the soul is what? The blood. The blood representing this blood that we talked about, the polluted blood. This is the aspect of what it says. This is what Rabbi Akiva told the chaverim. Don't say, my mind, don't say, water, water, shehi azaral, shekeh. Rabbi Akiva is warning them not to speak a word of falsehood. As Rabbi Akiva concluded over there that he brought the verse from Tehilim that the one who speaks falsehood should not dwell before God's eyes. water, water, This represents the concept of Sheker. Falsehood, which represents the tears. Why? Because we said that this falsehood stems from these tears. Which is the salty waters. Because one who drinks water quenches his thirst. But one who drinks salty water, it's not enough that he doesn't quench his thirst, it actually draws more thirst to his thirst. Until he needs to drink more water in order to extinguish this thirst, to quench his thirst. This is why Shekel falsehood is called water, water, my mind. And this is what it says. This is what Rabbi Akiva told us. Don't say water, water. This is falsehood. As we saw in the verse, that the one who speaks falsehood should not dwell before God's eyes. And falsehood is formed. What is falsehood? This evil. Which is impurity. How is falsehood formed? 
this impurity, this evil form, whenever what? One is distant from this concept of echad, oneliness. Why for evil is is um, is negdiut is something that um, stands opposite something. It's contrariety. For example, for example, everything that is against the will of a person is ra is not good. But in a state of oneness, there's no such thing as something that's contrary to this. You cannot have something opposite one. Rather, everything is good. So Ra would be something that is against one, this oneliness, because oneliness represents everything. It's oneness. It's, uh, it's unity. It's good. It's in the Gemara over there. On that day, it brings a verse. On that day, Hashem um, will be one and His name will be one. Meaning, everything will be this blessing of Hatov, the one who's good, and who's beneficent, who does good. Because with the concept of one, there's no such, there's nothing applicable that's evil there. One is everything is good. And this is why in the future, the verse will be fulfilled. The verse in Mishle will be fulfilled. That the, the speech of truth shall stand forever. The language of truth shall stand forever. For then at that time, everything will be one, everything will be good. For truth is only one. For example, for example, a silver vessel. If you say that it's a silver vessel, then it's true. If you say that it's a golden vessel, then it's false. You cannot have two truths. There's only one truth. We find that the truth is one. Because on the truth, it's only one. It's impossible to say that something that is true. Um, on something that's, in tr- something that's true, for example, the silver vessel... You cannot say that it's a gold vessel, etc., etc. The only thing that you can say that's true is that it's a silver vessel. But falsehood is is uh, is many. There can be many things of falsehood. How do we know this? Because you can say that this silver vessel is a gold vessel or a copper vessel or other things that we can call it. You can call it a, an infinite number of things that would make it false. But there's only one truth. We find Rabbeinu brings the verse from Kohelet that Sheker is the aspect of this verse. They chased after many chishvonot, many intrigues. This is why in the future, in the time to come, evil will be nullified and then all this contrariety will be uh, nullified. And the tears will be nullified. It says, etc., etc. They'll do nothing evil, they won't do harm. Meaning, there's no more evil. And we learned earlier, and we've seen this in a few different lessons, this prophecy from Yeshaya that the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall live with the goat, etc. Meaning, meaning, there's no more opposites anymore, there's no more. Uh, Contrariety, it's all one. The wolf can live with the lamb. There's no more fighting. It's it's all one. Ochtim also says over there, and Hashem will wipe away Hashem Elokim, um, our God, will wipe away the tears of every single face. Meaning the tears that will be nullified, which is 
And what did we say tears stem from? The aspect of shekel, falsehood. For then, God's name will be one and Hashem will be one. This aspect of everything goodness will exist. Everything will be truthful. As we saw above. And what happened? The ruach atuma, the impurity, will be completely nullified in the time to come. As it says in the verse in Zechariah, that the spirit of impurity I will pass over from the land. He adds, Why? For then only oneness will exist. It says, And it says in Eyov, Who can turn impure into pure? Not one. Perush, what is the explanation of this? Meaning the essence. What is Rabbi Natan teaching us here? And Rabbi teaching us? The explanation is like this. That the essential hold of purity and impurity, the, where it comes from, is from the aspect of distancing from one. The fact that there's purity and impurity in the world, that there's both of these opposite concepts, is because that the concept of oneness is that we are far from the concept of oneness, of echad unity. He called them for the beginning of creation, before creation existed. Because before God created the world and creation was in potential, as if to say, meaning before He brought creation into existence, everything was one, everything was true, everything was good, everything was holy. Even a name of purity was not fitting to say. Because purity is only applicable whenever there's impurity that exists. But to say that there's now a name of purity, to say before creation, when before creation there's only truth and there's only oneness, you can't say that, let me say this pure name. Let me say the name of uh, because, or, or let me say the name of, uh, of that there's good in the world, that there's this and that, because good does not exist unless there's bad. Everything is one at the time. It's all holy. It's all good. That you shall be purified from all your impurity. Meaning that purity can only exist from impurity. You cannot have purity on its own without the existence of impurity. Good can only exist because evil exists. But whenever everything is one, there's no such thing as as we saw earlier. Many intrigues. Which is this aspect of the essence of evil and impurity. For purity is the, is the mean between holiness and impurity. That through purity, one impurifies or one rectifies impurity. That you shall be purified from all your impurities. This is the aspect of free will, free choice. Which is the middle ground between two things. It's the mean between two things. This is not applicable before creation. For everything before creation is all one. Because with the aspect of oneness, there is no such thing as free will. Which represents this concept of purity. Purity cannot exist before creation. Before, because before creation, everything is one. And we know purity is this middle ground between two opposites. And because there's no opposites with oneness, then there can't be this aspect of purity, etc., etc. And when God took out this concept of creation from potential to actual, He created it. He brought this creation into existence. Then what happened? Immediately, this concept of purity formed. Because whenever God took it from potential to actual, there were two things now. 
There was the aspect of oneness and creation. And with this concept of oneness and creation, now, now free will is applicable. Why? For free will represents purity. Which is this mean between oneness, to which purity stands in close proximity to this oneness. And he has still not reached this concept of Chishbonot Rabib, many intrigues, which is impurity and, and evil. But it's a sign and indicator over the eventual devolution that it could eventually come to be this aspect of impurity. Until it becomes literally evil and impure, etc. Meaning, the fact that oneness and creation came into existence proves that it could come into existence, this concept of evil and oneness, which means that evil and oneness was in um, potential, which means that it brought, was brought into existence. In devolution, if it, if, it, if it devoluted long enough, it could come into evil and to impurity, which is what we see that it did end up being. This is why it's born in the Zohar, and many different places. That the essential grasp of impurity comes from where the side of the left, this left side, for purity hints to us that there is impurity. And purity hints to us, gives us a sign that it will devolute that there's a devolution until it becomes impurity. And this is why it's possible to purify and to elevate impurity into purity. Why? For impurity itself devoluted from the concept of purity. That it all stems from purity, from oneness. Because why? Because purity is in close proximity to oneness, to Echad. And from Echad, when the second creation came into existence, by the fact that creation came into existence, that there was Echad and creation now, that now from purity could end up being this concept of the impurity that comes about it. And we saw that it came into existence. So impurity itself devolutes from the concept of purity. It stems from the concept of purity. You shall be purified from all your impurity, meaning your impurity stems from this purity. We find that the essential grasp of impurity stems from where? Which concept? Purity. And what's this concept of purity? This aspect of free will. Purity comes from this less, from this aspect of the left side, the aspect of Levi. As it says in the aspect over there in the verse, in Bamidbar chapter 8, you shall purify the Levi'im, the sons of Levi. Levi represents the left, as it's known in the Zohar Kadosh, Parashat. Um, um, and many different sfarim. This is why the essential grasp of impurity comes from the left side. Why? Because purity comes from the left side. And we said purity is levi. And we said about the levim that they shall be purified. So we see if the levi are pure through this aspect of what we saw in the verse in Bamidbar chapter 8. That the levim are pure. And we said the levi is the left side. We know according to the Zohar and many other sfarim. Then purity must also stem from the left. So impurity and impurity and purity stem from the left. This is why the essential grasp of impurity stems from the left side. For the left represents purity. That from the left side stems the essential grasp of impurity as we saw. And 
And all of this that we explained, the left side, the aspect of purity that we said, the free will, that from these concepts that we just explained, purity, free will, left side, devolutes this aspect of impurity, evil, contrariety, falsehood, etc. All of this is drawn from after the concept of creation. After creation went from potential to actual existence. For when Creation went into existence. Now there were two aspects existing. Not just oneness, but now creation as well. Which means that there's contrariety. There's two now. We find that the essential grasp of why sheker, falsehood exists, which is impurity, is because that we went distant from oneness. Meaning from the concept of after creation. But through the divine providence of God, even after the act that God did, that He took creation from potential to actual, all matter is in oneness with God. And evil sustains itself from the residue of this hashkacha, this divine providence. We see that even evil receives its, receives its power from holiness. Meaning from behind, over God's shoulder. Kaidu as is known. In the Zohar, Kadosh Parashat Chukat, Kaf Pe Dalet Amud Aleph over there. And this concept of evil is far from oneness. But through truth, the divine providence of God is upon a person, as it says in the verse in Tehinim. My eyes are on the truthful or the faithful of the land. So we see that this faithful, this truth, as we know in many different lessons, Rabbeinu explains the connection between emet and emunah, that they're one and the same, they're both dependent upon each other, that Hashem's eyes are on the faithful, the truthful of the land. We see here that Hashem's eyes, hashkacha, dwells upon a person when he's truthful. But through falsehood, which is evil, one removes God's divine providence from him. As you saw what Rabbi Akiva said, that the one who, as he brings from Tehinim, the one who speaks false, he shall not dwell before my eyes, God says. And this person's life force, this evil person's life force, why? Because he is part of Sheker, and Sheker is evil. His life force comes from behind God's shoulder. We find that one who wants meaning if one person wants to wants to this create this aspect of existence and this act that God did that he took creation from potential to actual and he wants to make it one again. So what Rabbanu is explaining, if a person wants to do this aspect of contrariety and bring it back to oneness, that he brings, that this person wants to bring the father and the son together as if they're one. As if um, it was before creation, as it was before creation, meaning this aspect of oneness. That he should bring creation back to this concept of potential, not actual existence, but potential where everything was one. A person should guard himself from falsehood. And through this, the divine providence of God will be on this person. And then everything is one. 
When you reach this pure marble stone, what's Shaishtaho? Pure marble? Or um, pure marble? Shaishtaho represents what? After creation, after this act of creation. Which is Shaish, which comes from the word Sheyesh, meaning that Yesh is existence, Yeshut. Meaning before the world was in creation, it wasn't Yeshut, it wasn't in existence, it was potential. But now Shaish represents Sheyesh, meaning it exists. It's here. Shaya Bechoach. No, sorry. And now a name of purity is applicable on it. Shem Tahoach, we saw earlier that before creation, it's not applicable to say a name of purity, a pure name or an impure name, etc., etc., because that doesn't exist. Purity only exists whenever there's impurity. But before creation, there was only oneness. So this concept of purity wasn't there yet. So what happened? So sheyesh, whenever there's yesh, whenever there's yeshut, there's existence, meaning when creation is in existence, then the Shem Tahoe is applicable. But if a person wants that he goes back to the time before the act of creation, when creation was in potential existence, as if the father and the son are one, this is what a person should do. What does Rabbi Akiva say? When you guys reach this avne, this stone, what's avne? Avne is a play on the words Eden. It's Av and you have the word Ben in there. You have son and father. Meaning, when father and son are one. Why? Whenever, what does it mean father and son are one? This is the after the, before the creation of the world. When creation was still in potential. Everything was still one. Why does father and, and son being one represent this concept of before creation? Because we know that before the father has the kid, he has the drop of sea within his mind. But before he has the creation of the kid, the father and the son are one. Why? For the drop of the son is still in the mind of the father. So this is before the creation of the kid. It's the same thing that's true before the creation of the world. That the concept of oneness only exists before the creation. Meaning the father and the son are still one. That's the goal that we should reach. That we can reach, Rabban was explaining, through the concept of being truthful, honest. Not lying. Not being false. What's shayish tahor? Pure marble, this is the aspect of after the act of creation, which represents existence and purity. If you want to bring this concept of Shaishtao, this pure marble, back to the stone. What's Avne to Aven Ben whenever they're one? To the Father and the Son into one concept. Don't say my mind. This represents falsehood. Do not say my mind. Meaning, don't say an aspect of falsehood if you want to go back to this concept of before creation. As we saw above, the one who speaks falsehood should not stand before my eyes. Because through falsehood, he removes from himself the divine providence of God. And he's far from oneness. But through truth, and through this providence of God, everything is one. As if it was before creation. And this is why the reward of the world to come, no eye has seen it. Except for you, only you, Hashem. It's in Yeshaya, chapter 64. And look in the, in the Gemara Barachot, uh, page 34, because for the fact that everything is one, no I shall see it. Only God Himself can see it. Why? For the fact that the world to come represents oneness, then only God Himself can see it. No, I can see it because if we see it, then this concept of contrariety exists. 
the Rabbanu said at that time when he was giving this lesson, that with this also there is a question that is impossible to understand. For if this is true, how is there a division between reward for each and every person according to his level? According to his service, and his effort. In this world for God. Because it's certain that in the end of times, not everyone will be equal. And and because of the fact that in the time to come everything will be oneness it's not applicable this fact of division between one person and his friend according to his level what Rabban was saying is here how is it that the reward of Olam can be different for this person and for that person when this concept of Olam is only oneness which means that it's not applicable this concept of division between person that this person deserves more than the next but we know that it's true that the world to come Hold more reward for a tzaddik than it does for a rasha, obviously. So we see here this concept, a question, Rabbanu says, that we cannot understand the answer. But Rabbanu explains that there's a secret among this question that is impossible to understand. And these words are enigmatic, they're beyond us. Shayach la'el, applicable to that which we said above which Rabbeinu started the lesson with, because of this, falsehood damages the eyes. Why? For through falsehood, one removes the divine providence, which is what? The divine providence of God's eyes. That Hashem's providence, His eyes upon us are removed. And He blemishes the concept of the eyes, which is what? The aspect of Hashkacha, divine providence. As we saw in lesson 13, this concept of the eyes representing divine providence, etc. For why? For falsehood stems from this distancing from this concept of oneness. That once one distances himself from oneness, this is when purity, impurity comes to exist in Shuara, which is evil, which is falsehood. And this is why because his this is why through his sheker he's blemishing the divine providence of God and he removes Hashem's providence upon him. Because through God's divine providence everything is one. After creation as if it was before creation. Through the divine providence of God it's as if you go to the time before creation. But through falsehood, one blemishes in this concept of unity. For falsehood is very far from this concept of oneness. And this is why, through falsehood, one is able to remove, God forbid, this providence. And he separates, God forbid, the concept of before creation and after creation. Which is the essential grasp of impurity in the world. Whenever these two concepts of creation and after creation, before creation and after creation, are separated. But through truth, which is this aspect of everything is one, everything is good. Through this you draw down the God's divine providence and everything is oneness. Because through this, the divine providence, um, because because through the divine providence, the concept of after creation, the existence of creation becomes encompassed within the time before creation. This is what it says. This is what Rabbi Akiva said. Rabbi Akiva told everyone, be careful from this pure stone, etc. Sorry. And with this, 
This lesson is tied very well together. The beginning to the end and the end to the beginning. The same is true of the middle. Rabban would say, understand this lesson very, very well. We apply this lesson, which is a simple one piece of advice. Be emet, be honest, be truthful. Whether it's with Hashem, whether it's with people, whether it's with yourself. Start with within yourself. And this is the key, to be honest, because with this, we're able to bring this concept of oneness back into creation, even after the creation of the world, to encompass the creation of the world to the time before the creation of the world. And we have the merit to do such a thing.